Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience, the podcast designed to simplify the complex job of managing and leading others. Our goal with this podcast, as always, is to help you identify at least one proven and practical business practice that's going to help you run a more sustainable and successful company. Our guest today, he and I have known each other as about as long as almost anybody I've had on this podcast. In fact, I want to start in just a moment by asking him to explain how he recalls our, our first meeting. He's loyal. When I think of this gentleman, he's got unquestionable integrity. He's a highly motivated family person. He, he really carves out time for the family. He's fearless at trying new things. He has big, big dreams. I've always been impressed by where he where he continues to want to go, and he's highly disciplined. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience, Mr. Marty Grunder. Welcome, Marty. Ed, thank you. It, it's an honor. I'm so flattered to be here today. You've been one of my mentors, and you've had a tremendous impact on me personally and professionally, and it's an honor to, to be with you here on the podcast. Thank you. Uh, you're, you're so welcome. Glad you're here. Can you recall the first time we met? You know, Ed, it's been so long. It's probably been almost 30 years ago, quite frankly. It's at least 25. And I remember when you were with Dale Carnegie, and I think you did one of your events that I went to, and I was so moved by what you said. You know, it's kind of the same drill I've done with others. I've constantly tried to seek out people that I knew were smarter than I am. You're smarter than I am in several areas. And that was how it started, and I'm glad I met you. The lessons that you've shared with me on personal management, conflict management, being inquisitive. I, I could go on for days what I've learned from you. So it was a long time ago, Ed. I think we both had more hair then. <laughs> I know I did. <laughs> You've always been one of the premier networkers. You've always had this capacity to reach out and uh, connect with people You know that, that you didn't know, didn't know you may not have even cared about you, but you were you were fearless in that. Was that something you just did naturally, or did someone tell you you should do that? You know, it's funny. My, my mom passed away last year. My mom was a very outgoing person. My dad was a hermit. People that knew my dad and they would meet me, they'd say, are you sure you're related to him? Initially instilled on me by my mother, there was a physician that she went to regularly as a dermatologist in Dayton. And at one point, the dermatologist said, bring, bring your son and I want to meet him. And his name was Steve Levin. He's a, a Dayton-based dermatologist. And Stephen, when I was 14 years old, would take me to lunch with him and he showed me how to meet people. And he impressed upon me that, you know, don't keep score, just make friends. And when you make friends, you can do a lot of good with that. And I, like a lot of the lessons I've learned, I've tried to figure out how I could apply them. And now I actually teach and, and I have a manuscript done. It's just, it's not, I haven't taken it the full way to present to a publisher, but it's called Make Friends, Make Sales, The Art of Relationship Selling. You know, it's funny, Ed, during all this COVID-19 and you and your lovely wife, probably the same deal, our house has never been cleaner in its entire existence. <laughs> and 
I was cleaning out the basement and I came across my high school yearbook. So I looked up my name and it said interests people. And I was like, wow, I, I said that when I was 18 years old. And then I found my yearbook from the University of Dayton and it said interests people. So I've always loved meeting new people. And the older I get, I'm still infatuated with meeting people. I probably have ADD. No, 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 no. You, you do have ADD. And I'm a voracious reader. And when I have conversations with people, that's how I learn the best. Many of the tactics I use for coaching other leaders, and I use in my own dealings at Grunder Landscaping Company, those are things that you taught me and, and like they made sense. And so I delved more into them and other sources. So I think people have, I mean, unquestionably been the whole essence of my success. So I don't look at someone like, can I get in their wallet? I just like meeting people. And when you just meet people, when your intentions are, are good, that you just want to meet them and you're not worried about keeping score, it's amazing what that can do for you. And oh yeah, you know, it's just something I love doing. Yeah. I think it's a gift to have the capacity and the courage to introduce yourself to people you don't know. And you can do it literally anywhere. And it, it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing what you learn. You've been very complimentary about what impact I may have had on you, but you've had as, as much on me. You've been a role model in a lot of ways for me. And when you wrote your book, you did it the right way. And then you, I don't know when you started encouraging me to write mine, but it's, it was a while before I actually did it. And I, I honestly believe that had you not told me that I should do it and stayed after me about it, that I probably would not have done it. So I'm curious about how you made that jump from running a landscaping business and a very successful one to deciding that you wanted to coach others in a more formal way. I mean, was that, was that just because you were being asked and it, the opportunity presented itself or was that it before you were asked, did you say, I'm going to start doing this? I, I think to, to be blunt, I was an arrogant, cocky young man. And I thought I knew a lot more than what I did. And I was tired of people saying, you're a landscaper. What do you do in the winter? And it drove me nuts that I had this business that generated revenue. And then come December, it all went away. Right. And, and I saw some professional speakers, what they were doing and how they were teaching on subject matter you know, being subject matter experts on things and getting paid to do it. And I watched him and I said to myself, I, I know I can do this. So I just started speaking and teaching. And um, I look at some of my old videos from when I first started in 1994 and they are terrible. I mean, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm the same way. I cannot, I, I refuse to look at mine. I have a hard time watching it. Even if I close my eyes, the things I was saying, I'm like, I cannot believe I got up in front of someone and said that. And they paid you. <laughs> yeah. Who did I think I was? But, you know, Ed, we all start someplace. That's okay? right. That's the right. The first landscapes that I design and install are ones that I drive by now and I chuckle at, but then I'm quick to catch myself and say, hey, now, wait a second. They're getting started, too. That's where you were. It all goes someplace. So, you know, today... I know I'm a very good teacher and I know I've made a tremendous impact on literally thousands of landscaping companies where we have our niche with the grow group that we work with, but it, we're, we're all, you know, we're all a block of clay. We're all getting molded as we go along. And I think I've always had confidence in myself now at, at age 52, 
I take feedback really, really well because, and I hope this comes out right, but I know I'm good. I know I am. Oh, yeah. But I know I can get better. And the only way you're going to get better is if you're around people that have the guts to tell you how and what you need to do to improve. Where where do you think that comes from as well? Do you, is that something your mom or your dad instilled in you? Do you think that's just a DNA thing that just it's part of your makeup? You've been relentless in self-improvement. You know, I I, uh, I guess I'm not a quick learner. I didn't get it from my dad. My, my father did not take criticism well. My dad had anger management issues. Unfortunately, I got a little bit of those we can touch on at some point. <laughs> my mom was a teacher. My dad was an engineer. So they were always learning. I mean, you know, we were always reading history books and our vacations were battlefields and historical monuments. And I think that's why today I don't like going to those. I got burned out on them in my first 20 years of life. I'm going to stop you right there. So you've been to battlefield. Is there one battlefield in particular that sticks out as is really memorable to you and, and powerful? Well, the battlefields outside of Williamsburg, Virginia are memorable because my brother and I got stuck behind a ammo uh, container in one of those skits and we're screaming for help. So <laughs> that, that one's memorable. My father was not very happy with us. <laughs> I'm sure there was a, a sharp conversation at that event. Okay. My father passed away 20 years ago, but when we would get together and reminisce about that vacation, I mean, we would end up on the floor laughing. My brother got stuck. I went back to try to help get him out. We both got stuck and we were crying out help in the middle of a performance. So. <laughs> if you've never been to Williamsburg, they do, uh, reenactments they people act as if they are in the, right. the period and so you were you were back there in the 1700s <laughs> yeah, that is funny marty that, that is good stuff you know as your business is so cyclical and it's so repeatable in so many ways and you do have a, a ADD, so yeah. let's just be honest about that whether right. you've been formally diagnosed or not yeah. um i'm curious about was there ever a time that you got bored with it and said, I'm just going to, I'm going to get out of this and do something else? Yeah, that's happened twice. So that happened when I graduated from the University of Dayton in 1990 and all my buddies were getting sign-on bonuses and they were buying suits and new cars. And, you know, I was still cutting grass if the grass cutting team leader didn't show up for work. Now, I need to stop you because the audience does not know what I know about the history of the company. You started at 14 or 15. I did. 14 years old mowing lawns. And then, and that just grew. And by the time you got done with high school, there were there people working for you? Yeah, I had three employees by the time I was a senior in high school. I had 12 employees by the time I was a senior at the University of okay. Dayton. We were growing close to half a million dollars a year when I graduated from college. So audience know then that, that here you got a guy at 21 that had already been running his business for seven, eight years and arguably could say was already in a position where he could have burned out. Yeah. And and I probably was. I was physically having to do a lot of the work and I don't think I understood delegation. I was a bit of a tyrant. You know, I'm a very quick learner uh, when it comes to things that I'm interested in. So when I would give a, somebody a drawing or give them directions and then they get lost or they wouldn't put the, the plan in the way I drew it, I just I couldn't comprehend. I mean, probably only in the last 15 years have I truly understood what it takes to be a leader. Yeah. And a leader approaches mistakes 
in this mindset. They say, what did I do or not do that contributed to the situation that I'm in right now? Because until you start doing that, Ed, when you're running a business, you will not get better. I mean, if it's like my friend, Dr. John Maxwell says, the person most responsible for my issues, you know, I'd love to kick them. And if I had to kick them, my rear end, my own rear end would be blood red. I mean, we are responsible for our issues. Yeah. So that mentality's, you know, made a, made a big impact on me. So let's, let's go back. So just to be clear though, you thought about selling the business when you graduated, what was the second time? The second time was about 10 years ago when, again, I was like, you know, look, I can do so much more than run a landscaping business. Maybe I can impact more people by just doing this consultancy and being a professional speaker and running workshops and so on. And, and, I, and I gave it some consideration. But when, when I came right back to it, 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 I realized that if I sold the business, I would use the platform. I would lose the living laboratory, if you will from which we teach. And that has proven to have been a smart idea. I get that. Yeah. You know, you've met Seth, who's my chief operating officer. He joined us eight years ago. He's without question, the most amazing, brilliant person I've ever worked with in business. And we have different styles, but we both see the vision for what we're doing. And he's enabled me to focus on what I do best, which is sales and networking at the landscaping company and being a teacher and a coach at the consultancy. And basically what's happened is the landscaping company has become a customer of the consultancy. Yeah. So we coach Grunder Landscaping, just like we coach ASI in Tampa, Florida, uh, Joyce Landscaping in Massachusetts. They're a customer and it's worked out great. What part of your job gives you the most energy? When I see my students or my clients succeeding at what we showed them how to do. So if I get a landscaper that I'm coaching in New York has a breakthrough, when I get one of our young people at Grunder Landscaping, like Dalton Yates, who's on our leadership team, and I am not going to take credit for all of his success. Seth has had a tremendous role in his success as well. But I think I've shown Dalton how to lead. And I think I've shown him how to handle some things. Some, th- some of the things I've learned from you, Ed, that's what's most rewarding. When, you know, my wife's a kindergarten teacher. My mom was a teacher. I see why people want to do that. I-, I love to teach. I love to help people. And many times they take what I've taught them and they make it better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know who first said it, but the the whole premise that we stand on the shoulders of giants, right? And hopefully other people are standing on ours. So that that's that's the way you want it to happen. Yes. You have as much exposure to small business owners as anybody in your consulting practice that you have and, and the work you do with all the other uh, green-oriented businesses, the landscape and hardscape people you work with. Right. What do you think is the most common trap that they fall into? What's the thing that gets in the way of them being more successful than, than you know, as, as successful as they'd like to be? That, that is so easy. They think they have a nest on their chest. They think for it to be done right, they have to do it. And I even thought that. If you're looking around your company and you're feeling alone and you feel like you're the only one that can do something, there's one of two issues and it can only be two things. It's either you've hired the wrong people or you haven't tried hard enough to delegate. It's it's one of those two things because that's probably the biggest lesson I learned from Seth at Grunder Landscaping in, in January of 2018, I turned the entire company over to him. 
I was nervous about it, but I felt I felt good about it. I, I thought this made sense. There was a lot of smart people counseling me to give to do this. And Seth gave some people an expanded role that I never would have done, mainly because of their age. I just wouldn't have thought they could handle it. And boy, what a what a sad state that is that I did that. <laughs> you know? No, it's not sad. It's it's not that unusual and, and and it's a great lesson. You got to see it and observe it firsthand. They people are capable of doing a lot more than what you realize, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And you gotta give them a shot and you have to set it up right. You don't jump in at their first sign of drowning and you see what they learn and you see if they get better. That's the biggest thing. I mean, that's what I didn't know when I was in my twenties. And if I'm going to be blunt with you here today, Ed, I don't even think I knew that when I was in my 30s. I don't think you did either. Yeah. Now, I got another question for you. Did you give Seth your office? Yes. Yeah. That was smart. Yeah, I, uh, I, have, I have the smallest office in the company. I call it cell block G. It's surrounded by blocks. I don't have a window in my office. Ten years ago, I never could have done that because... I wouldn't want somebody to walk through the building and say, why is Marty Grunder in this little closet? Right. And I don't care. I know, but it, but it was a really a signal to the organization when you gave up that office and, yeah. and, and put Seth in there, that, that was really smart. And uh, part of uh transition of leadership and part of putting people in a position where they can be as successful as we want them to be is make sure that they have the, the things that go with that, that indicate that this is, this is serious. And I never thought about that until you just mentioned him making him COO. So. Well, I had a great mentor for that one. Frank Mariani in Chicago runs the largest privately held landscaping company in the country. Okay. It's been a dear mentor of mine as well for 30 years. He went from having a two story office with a spiral staircase <laughs> up to a catwalk to the copier closet. And <laughs> I saw him do that 20 years ago. And I watched with humility how he did that. And, you know, as you're working on your business, you see things and the older you get, maybe somebody close to you passes away. There's life moments that you have that you start seeing things in a different perspective. Oh, yeah. And I'm real big on, you know, I want, you know, there's the cultural change in terms of what you do, but there's also silent things like what do people see? You can't preach to your to your team that you want your landscaping job sites to be pristine if they're coming back to a dump and your desk is covered in papers and you're a personal mess. So, you know, that we have five senses and you have to be aware of how they impact. Yeah. I forget it. Some, some derivative of this quote, what you're doing speaks so loud. I can't hear what you're saying or that's something right. like that. Yeah. It's, that's, that is, that's very, very much what it is. You were one of the first small business guys I knew that had a board of advisors What's that meant to your business? Oh, my gosh. I, I cannot tell you what an impact that has had. I, I first formed a board in the early 90s. I screwed it up. <laughs> I learned how not to do it. The second time I got it right, and I've, I've had a board of advisors now for close, almost 30 years, to get other risk-taking peers in the room with you that don't have any financial say in the outcomes, to just be there to tell you that you're not as good as you think you are, did you think about this? Did you think about that? You know, in, in many ways, who holds the small business owner accountable? Possibly the bank, maybe your spouse. I mean, the, the, the list is pretty short, Ed. Well, I would even argue it's situational. 
You know, right? I think the bank holds you accountable for certain things in the business, right. but, but they don't care how you manage or lead no. Seth, right? No, absolutely. So that that has been good, a great lesson to have those board meetings, to um, bring other members of our team in to present to them so they can see. You know, I I, I learned a lot about how to put a board together from Clay Matil at, at Aileron, and I learned a ton from Les Banwert who was Clay's right-hand man. Uh, Les was very instrumental in teaching me a lot of the nuances to how to, how do you get the board? How do you leverage them? Right. Right. So he gave me some tactical things and some strategical things that I still do to this day. You've enjoyed a lot of success throughout your entire career by most standards, you know, in terms of financial and growth and, things of that nature. How do you personally keep track of success? How do you define it for, for Marty Grunder? Gosh, this is, this is going to sound, this may not sound right, but this is honestly how I do it. I judge it by the people that want to be around me. I am very blessed. Today's my wife's birthday. We've been married 27 years. She still seemingly wants to be around me. Um, <laughs> my four kids, by the way, if you meet Lisa, you'll know how good a salesman Marty is. That's the greatest sale I've ever closed. <laughs> the greatest, in my life. greatest sale you ever did, did and, yeah. a, and a really good one. So you keep her sold. Same with you and your friend. <laughs> my, my kids, I think, want to be around me. I have many longtime team members at Grunder that have been with me 20 years or more. Um, my friendship base hasn't changed a whole lot. That's how I judge it. Okay. You know, the, the kind of people that I get to spend time with. Good. I, I, I like that. I, that that's, a, that's a good metric. I, I'm, I'm all for that. Right now, we're having a crisis, you could say, in, you know, with the COVID virus. You haven't said it to me, and I, so I don't know, but I'm kind of guessing that your business is hummed along. Is that right? The landscaping company's done, done great for all, all things considered. So I'm, I'm going to interrupt you. I, I want to I want to go back to 2008, 9, and 10. Were there things you learned in the financial crisis of that time period that have, have allowed you to manage this one better, or are they totally different? This one's worse, but what I learned in 2008, 9, and 10 was I didn't have enough powder dry yet. I learned a new permanent way to run our business, and a lot of it had to do with finances. We were We were too fat and sloppy with overhead. When, when the times got tough and I had to pull my head back in my shell, I wasn't able to do it as well as I should have been. I, I, I knew better. I don't think things were quite as bad as I made them out to be when I was in the middle of it, but I, I got scared. You know, when, when, when the only, this is the only thing I've ever done. So, and when all of a sudden it's not working well and, you know, you're, you're not making enough money to, to uh, get ahead, that's not a place somebody 40 years old should be in that had been in business 25 years. Well, especially, especially with as hard as you had worked to build a sustainable business. Yes. So that, yeah, that had to be really scary. I remember some of the conversations now that that we're talking about it, that you, yeah, you were unsettled. That's for sure. I, I was scared. And and so at this point, you've got a, a healthy balance sheet that makes you look at the situation like you're in today as, as one that, okay, we're going to deal with it. It's not, it's not what we want, but we're going to deal with it. So my daughter has a very good friend that's a professional football player, and he is the most 
wonderful young man. And I have a saying and it says, money will not solve all your problems, but debt will cause most of them. (laughs) You know, like he'll call me and he'll say, Hey, Mr. G, what's that quote again? (laughs) And I, and I remind him to, you know, when I see him, I just remind him of that. He's very smart with his money. He's doing great. I, I had too much leverage in eight and nine. I, I didn't need to be there. So I've worked very, very hard to get in a better spot. And when you don't have a lot of debt, Ed, it it opens you up to just a lot better place. Oh, my. Yeah. When there's an anvil hanging over your head. Right. <laughs> you have to feed that fire and you don't have anything to put into that fire. That's hard. All right. So I want an intimate look at Marty Grunder because I've known you for a long time, but I've, I've never asked you this question to my knowledge. So what do you do when it's just Marty time? If, if it's just your free time and you want to relax and it's just a, a gift to yourself, what would it be? What would you do? Uh, that would be having Saratoga or Keeneland on my big screen TV and my Twin Spires account out betting some betting some horses. I do not have a betting problem. I do not bet every race. I pick my spots. It has been fun to do this with my son, who's almost 20. And I'll do things and he'll say, how do you know all this? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I enjoy doing, but I don't do it a whole lot. Marty is uh, the last person, if you met him, that you would think would be at Keeneland. For those of you, you got to look him up. Look up, look up, up his we- website, the Grow Group, and you'll get you'll get a, a look at him. And, and it's not that he is not a refined gentleman. He is an absolutely refined gentleman. But him, you seeing and thinking about him at Keeneland in a in a, a sport coat, a tie, and and uh, a bourbon in his hand is it's just it's no, it, it no, doesn't fit. Sparkling water. <laughs> we always promise our listeners one proven and practical idea to help them run that more successful business, Marty. If there's only one thing and one thing only that we're going to make a recommendation to them, what would yours be? You know, this is so easy, and honestly, this is the truth. The best lesson I've learned from you, Ed, is the question that you proposed to me several years ago when I was looking at my work chart and I was agonizing over some of the positions. And you said, Marty, given what you now know about this person, if you had a chance to rehire them, would you? If the answer is no, what are you waiting for? (laughs) If the answer is yes, are you devoting enough of your time and your coaching and, and are you putting enough resources into developing that person to another level? You know, we talked, you know, and I appreciate you having me on here. We talked about my love of people. People make businesses work. They're going to make businesses work in COVID-19. 20 years from now, they're still going to make them work. Right. And, and what I've learned from you is that one's ability to lead and direct people, to make a positive impact on them, to get them to do what you want and need them to do and still have them love you. That's the secret to success. So that's what I have to share with you today. He's Marty Grunder. He's a professional leader. He's a successful leader of his own businesses, and he's great at helping others. You, you need to look him up. If they want to reach out to you, Marty, what's the best way for folks to contact you? you can go to growgroupinc.com. Grow Group, all one word? Yeah, growgroupinc.com. And you can look me up on LinkedIn, Twitter. We have a Facebook page, all that stuff, Instagram. He's fun to be with. He's always entertaining and and you've you've shared some good stuff with our audience. It's it's been an honor to have you on today, Marty. Thanks so much. Well, thank you. I listen religiously to your podcast and I hope this one 
gets listened to by more than one person, which would be me. I'm sure it will. Thanks so much. Be well. Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's the Epley, E-P-P-L-E-Y, group.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills.